My Biggest Sales Enablement Mistake, a podcast by Eva Enable. Welcome to another episode of My Biggest Sales Enablement Mistake podcast, where we share common mistakes and experiences from a variety of guests so others can learn from them. I am so excited to be joined today by Andrew Barry, builder of learning machines, originator of the concept of total enablement, and founder of one of the most interesting companies I've come across in the enablement space, Curious Lion. Welcome, Andrew. I don't feel like I've done you justice, so please tell everyone a little bit about you and what you do. No, that was a very um, Game of Thrones kind of introduction there. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Thank you, Kate. <laughs> Let's hope it's by just... the end of this, it's not like Red Wedding, though, because <laughs> that would be awful. I think yeah. I think it's going to be a, a positive uh, Game of Thrones episode, to, not to not share. that one. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So that was a, that was a really good introduction. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'm sure we'll get into kind of what I mean by by total enablement. Um, but you know, what we do, what Curious Line is a specialist at is well, actually a best way to answer that is to say that I started Curious Lion because I think I experienced this and I believe that the it's the rule rather than the exception that most companies treat people like shit. Oh, I don't know if this right. is it. Maybe you want to cut that out. But you no, know, no, go for it. Let the, it the, way most, the way most people treat, um, treat people at companies is, is really poor. And I think, um, I think, the last 15, 20 years has shown us, probably even the last four or five years actually, that the companies that care about their people are the companies that have people that care about doing their best work. And so much of that is rooted in, obviously in culture, but in in learning. Um, And we come at it from that perspective of how do we meet every single individual where they are to help them learn what they need, when they need it continuously. And if you have a company that's doing that, where every single person is learning, uh, there is a solid coaching culture in place where people are working to improve um, on on metrics, which I know we'll get into, then that company is going to become a learning organization, right? Mm -hmm. Every team in that company is going to become a learning machine, like you said in the introduction. And that is what is separating the companies that are going to survive from the companies that will die. because the companies that fail to learn will be the companies that are the first to die. Fantastic. And that's, that is exactly why. <laughs> and now everybody else knows why I find Curious Lion and your approach so fascinating. So, so you'll understand, um, for those listening now, why we're going to tackle the topic of um, taking a short-term view or the mistake of taking a mm. short-term view of transformation of change. Because everything you've just said there is, is counter to short-termism, right? Yeah. And, and I think with the benefit of hindsight, I think we can all agree that the B2B tech black world, particularly, it's not alone, but particularly has suffered from a bad case of short-termism over the last few yeah. years. Yeah. And I'm, I'm keen to get your thoughts on, you know, when we think about enablement, their role in it, their part to play in, in both sides of this, what can they learn from that and I know that's a huge question to start mm. off, but, you know, with the backdrop of what you've just talked about, you know, how, how can we prevent or what can we learn from that, that mm. danger of short-term view? Yeah, so I, I love that you, you 
specifically called out that as the the biggest mistake sort of for this episode and the, this idea of short-term termism so what typically happens and you and i we're, we're kind of talking about this getting on the podcast you know just dealing with this barrage of sort of a chinese water torture of slack messages slack that, ping ping that, ping in our ears it's yeah, literally yeah. live happening in the moment wasn't it right before we came on exactly and you know we're trying to sit down and have a serious conversation for serious people you know so it, it's it's amusing because it, it's so um it's so prevalent right it's just it's uh, I, you know you and i were sort of talking about uh, my career started when kind of blackberries were coming out so it was the very beginning <laughs> of that, that I was thing, I'm right? older than you then because I'm pre-Blackberry pre I'm, yeah. I'm fax machines and and snail mail <laughs> so you knew you knew what it was like before yeah when it was good um <laughs> but, but you know the, this that culture that that Blackberry I am and then the emails that came with it and then everything to the to the present day where we're having slack messages popping up on our phones and all over the place is it results in reactive uh, a reactive nature, right? A reactive uh, attitude to work, where you constantly firefight things. You're all, you're always dealing with the next thing, and it just completely in, eliminates any opportunity to think long term. Or, and when I say lo think long term, it's it's reflect on the past. It's reflect on the day that you've just had, you, you know, and, and sort of what it means for your future. It's it's looking at what areas of improvements. Do you have as an individual where where can you better lead your team looking at each individual in that team what do they need right what are the areas they can improve who's who's doing really well at that area so that we can get them to kind of help with moving the whole team's average up um so it's, it's all of these kind of things and just i think we're in that kind of culture now where it's just constantly on the go firefighting and and reactive state where we just don't do enough of that yeah, it's, it, it's it's almost that instant gratification, isn't it? An instant gratification has no room for growth. Yeah. Because because if you need to have a result now, like you 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 simply cannot allow for a period of time, a period of de development, a period of growth in order to happen to achieve that. You need something now. And I see organisations again and again and again just caught in that monthly week. Well, it's whether it's weekly, monthly, quarterly, or annual cycle of just got to get the result now, got to get the result now, you yeah. know, and any good intentions of investing in people, growth, coaching, tend to get pushed to the wayside, because there's no attention span or, or grasp that that takes mm -hmm. time, and, and work, actually, and, and cultural yeah. change to do that. Well, that's the, that's the problem, right? It takes a lot of time and it takes it's a lot of effort. Um, and and there's a there's a no there's a knowledge gap as well, which we can get into that that people just don't know how to do this. And I think your company, my company, we're trying to solve for that. Um, so it's, there are a lot of barriers to being able to think long term. But let's also for a second just dwell on the on the the, the reason to do it. You know, almost the imperative to do it. And and that's when you when I look at a company now you know that we talked about the sort of evolution of, of technology but if you look at companies as well that the evolution from kind of the industrial age era which which lasted a lot longer than the industrial age right but the, uh, the thing that lasted was that that sort of perspective of people as resources right and and companies as machines mm -hmm. and so everything was kind of done based on that and it was all very top down and very uniform. So we're going to come up with a training program and it's going to teach everybody this new methodology. And then 
you know, now they're going to be leveled up and then, you know, we will move forward and we'll figure out the next thing we have to teach them. So that, that prevailing attitude is still around in, in most companies, yeah. right? As, yeah. as opposed to seeing people, especially in a knowledge economy, people are your biggest assets. Like there's no, there is no amount of planning or, or predicting that you can do that will prepare people for what's to come in the future even tomorrow, right? It's, it's just not, it's not, we're not in that kind of a world. What people need is to be able to be resilient, to be adaptable, to, to continuously learn and be able to come up with their own answers. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that's the game that we're in is how do we teach people to come up with their own answers? Because that's the only way a company is going to survive in, in an environment where, you know, change is the only certainty. So... <laughs> Yeah. Do you think do you think a symptom of that, I don't know whether it's a symptom or cause or, or just a, a, an associated factor of you know, sales managers, sales leader burnout in this space where they're just required to almost be, you know, engaged in every negotiation on every call to, to basically be so front line and they've then got 10 reps reporting into them that they, they don't have the time or space yeah. to, to yeah. be able to step back and say, hang on a minute, if I actually taught my reps if I allowed them to learn to do to be self-sufficient to do this all the things you just said then I'm just going to be repeating this again and again and again right yeah exactly and I think that's I think that I I look at it as there's sort of two types of sales leaders there's there's the ones that that um that just what got you know that that think they know it all basically right that they have learned everything they need to learn and what worked in the past is the only way they know to work in the future, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get the sales leaders that you've kind of described here, where I think there is that understanding of almost like it's a humility, it's a it's a growth mindset, it's all the things that you know we, we talk about when we talk about learning culture, that get it, that understand that that that's not going to work anymore, that we need to to develop the resilience and the adaptability. But that group doesn't have the time, to your point. So you've got these incredibly well-intentioned leaders who mm-hmm. get that. I mean, I, I saw a stat the, the other day, actually, um, that uh, the average tenure of a VP of sales or, or equivalent is like 19 months. You know, it, it's, it's crazy, right? Like an incredibly short time. And those that, uh, the exceptions to that, those that outl- outl- um, stay that term are the ones that have killer, killer teams behind them, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not, a, it's not a lone wolf thing. You can't, le- you can't lead an entire sales org by yourself. And they know that there's value in that team. But then that, that gets to the, the interesting question that you pose. Like, how do you do all this when you, as the leader, has to be out there responding to the market, figuring out what, what you know, how to adapt, how to react? Because that, that is still an element of it. That's always mm-hmm. going to be increasingly yeah. so. So you talked earlier about, because I think this, is, this fits into it, there being a knowledge gap in this space, that, that there's a knowledge gap that's holding them back. So there's the time there's the time and attention piece, right? But there's a knowledge gap. What, what, yeah. Talk to me more about that, about what, what, you, what you see as the knowledge gap to helping people achieve that, that transformation and change and moving away yeah. from a short-term view. Yeah, this is, I love this because I think this is kind of where you and I have really connected and that the knowledge gap here is understanding. I mean, the easiest, okay, so 50,000 feet view of this, there's one word to describe it. And I think that's coaching. Mm-hmm. So understanding how to coach individuals on a team to, to, to move in the same direction and to improve as individuals and then eventually as a team. 
Um, but if you drill drill down into that, I think there's there's a there's a couple of interesting gaps that I think I, I see this actually in in the role of enablement. You know that that the the enablers, the enablement professionals that struggle, I think, to justify their role. Because I mean, it's it's sad to say, but that is what a lot of people in enablement are having to do right now. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? We're seeing a massive ripple right. effect. Yeah. Yeah, and so those that those that are, are not having to deal with that are the ones that that are that are doing these things that I'm about to list, and that is being able to at scale, right? Being able to get at granular, granular right. at scale around the in the I want to what's the word for this the individual performance levers of 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 each individual sorry so the, the specific performance levers that each individual on the team has to be able to do better at their role like that that's a mind-blowing thing like you you know it's, it's easy enough it's it's hard enough rather to do with one person where you can sit down with them and spend all your time with them but then to do that with five, 10, 20, 100, yeah. that's really, really difficult, yeah. right? So, but you have to be able to do that because you can't affect any behavior change until you fully understand the root cause and and the measurable metric to, to understand what's happening here, right? Like, and measure where you've got to be able to improve it. So, so there's that. Then there's, I think the part, I love this, you have this in your platform as well, is understanding what the individual wants because there's an yeah. expectation on them. That's that first part. But then there's also that they need to do these five things really well to, to do their job well. Then there's also what do they want, right? And then being able to connect that dot, those dots with empathy. And then I think the third piece is, is being able to prescribe and hold accountable specific behavior change interventions, you know, whether it's practice techniques or activities or exercises or or just you know things people can do practically emphasis on do and action mm -hmm. to to improve in that area and then of course you've got and then it's sort of a cycle because then you can go back to the metrics see if it's, it is improving figure out which one next to focus on keep keep an eye on the wants you know the, the desires of that of that human and i mean and just remember that there's a human at the center of this and and they've got to want to get better so you've got to really think about motivation as well it's yeah. it's it's a lot and, and people are just not taught how to do this yeah, and I think if you're thinking, you, you, you pulled up the enablement kind of role there, and I've, I've written a word down here, well, two words, pushback, and, and I wonder whether or not that, that beginning point that you went where they don't understand the root cause, they don't understand the, the performance levers that they can, they can use to do coaching development at scale in the right places to the right people for the right reasons and hold them accountable without having that initial kind of root cause. There's no capability to push back there's no capability to say well hang on mr mr business or mr yeah. cro or whomever it is i don't think that's right i think that's going to solve the short-term issue but it's not going to get us to where we want to be next year and i think yeah. that's a more important place to be and i wonder about your your thoughts on enablements you know growth in in I don't know whether you call it gravitas, whether you call it strategic enablement, yeah. whether you whatever you call it, you know, it is is that a knowledge gap? Is that is that a, a yeah. place at the table gap? What what's causing that? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. I think the way I look at this is the way we set up our business. So we, I think the I think there's three things in enablement a really strong enablement function or person needs to have, and that is a deep deep understanding of sales and how it works, what it's like day to day. 
um, a, a deep, deep understanding of how people learn and grow and develop. Um, and I'm going to get to the third one in a sec. Our company, we bring, I think, some of the best expertise around in that second one. We didn't have any in the sales one. So we started partnering with people that are experts in sales. So, so we, we were able to kind of bring that. So now when we go into a client engagement, there's always kind of an, uh, a sales uh, expert who can talk that talk and be able to map out the process, identify the right metrics, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so, so we had to bring someone else in to, to partner with for that. It's really hard to find both those skills in the same person. Um, and then add the third one, which is what you said, which is this, and I think we do this fairly well and, and getting better at it with, with tools like yours, for example, is that um, I sort of think of it as executive presence. So being able to have a conversation with an executive in their language um, that, that ties to what you do. And, and the way we approach that is we, we guarantee our work. So we say, and this is really specifically directed at that CFO, right? It's like, we're expensive. We go deep and wide with a company, but we will fully guarantee our results. We know, we know how to do this. We know that the behavior change that we practice will work. Um, and so we want to take that risk off the table. And I, and I think that's almost something for enablement professionals, the individuals that, that, that perform this function role, is think of how can you do that? How can you take the risk off the table? Because I think that shows that you, yeah. that, that's buying a seat at the table, right? Yeah. I've written, I've written down here, mapping out the milestones of that. Though. So what I'm assuming, Andrew, when you talk about that, is not that, that you're going to go, oh, hell, we're going to have everybody hitting quota by uh, next quarter because we're, we're great and we're guaranteeing yeah. that. I, yeah. I imagine you're very good at setting expectations around and avoiding that, that short-term view, that, that pushback of unrealistic you know, promises yeah. that don't yeah. come to fruition and cause a degradation of... of well, the, the the whole role as a you know as a as a um, uh, a deliverable. Yeah, yeah, and and I think there's a one of my biggest challenges, Kate, has always been that the work we do, like we touched on this earlier, it takes time, uh, and it it takes really a, a heavy investment on both sides, like you said. So there's part of that guarantee I mentioned. There's an SLA that the client has to agree to. The biggest part of that SLA is that they. Uh, will you know enforce, monitor, however you want to think of uh, a constant cadence of coaching, right? And we'll we'll design it, we'll set it up, we'll even get them started on it. But we we're not you know we're not embedded in that company for mm -hmm. more than sort of six to nine months. So beyond that, they're going to have to keep that going. So that that's a big part of their expectation. Um, but the, you know, so the, I I look at it like our biggest value is it comes in the long term but we also still have to deliver short-term results and and part of the, your question made me think as well about a, a nuance to this and in, in that we're not guaranteeing you know sales quota being reached we're not guaranteeing a certain increase in in pipeline or average contract value or anything like that those are lagging indicators that may that should be influenced by what we do but there are a lot of other factors that influence it as, mm -hmm. as well what we will what we will guarantee and and it's part of the sort of you know agreement that we have with the client up front is what are the leading indicators that will contribute to that and, and so that's where it gets to the conversion metrics and where tools like yours can come in and get really specific around what are the activities that someone has to do to move something from this stage to that stage of a pipeline right and and 
and then then you've got i mean that that's just a never-ending list of of behavior change stuff that you could do to improve that conversion between those yeah. two stages and then you can do that across all the stages I, I, I love that. I think a lot of a lot of what holds people back from taking a long term view is that's a really, really scary journey to embark on thinking, well, we're not going to know we're there until like two years from now. And that's yeah. uh, we just can't. That's not acceptable. But what I absolutely love is walking backwards right mm. the way to what are the earliest green shoots, the really mm. earliest green shoots of success or indicators of success that you're likely to see because they're your really early leading indicators and that yeah. is going to be you know things things that are difficult but not impossible to measure around behavior change around the early the early elements and, and that's about defining them and absolutely mm. agreeing them and, and not just you know hope <laughs> as a strategy yeah. and I think yeah. going back to something you said earlier what I what what I think that loops lovely back around to is taking the risk out of the equation. That's a statement you said, mm -hmm. and I think if if you're able to map all the way down and say, yeah, but but we're not saying we're only going to know we're there in two years' time. We're going to know next quarter that we've yeah. started to impact this as a very early indication. I think what you've described is exactly that. Well, and, and these things are, it, it's, it's stuff that you and the client, you know, you and, and the sales leader know um, if you're an enablement person, right? You know intuitively that these things are, are good. So we're talking about like going from, you know, first contact to a call, going from a call if you're an SDR to booking a meeting with your AE, you're going from meeting one to meeting two. Like these are like, if you, if everyone knows if you see those metrics improve in individuals and then obviously the whole team, you know that that's going to lead to a good thing. Right? Like yeah. it's like, and that's exciting. Like you can start to see those results in the first few months and, you know, and it just shows you you're on the right track. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's ultimately the stuff that we, those kind of things are what we are, um, what we are guaranteeing. And yeah, you know, most people know the results start to take care of themselves. Yeah. And I think that also allows you to, to course correct along the way. If you're continually reviewing monitoring those those early indicators of of change let's call them indicators of change we're talking about short-term view of transformation and change those early indicators if you can re review them mm. if you're not impacting them really on that's a hell of a lot healthier to identify that then than yeah. to be going well bugger we didn't get there at all and, yeah. and we're two years down the line and you know 200 grand um poorer yeah. and we didn't achieve the results we want and I think that's yeah. a mistake so many people make and why why it puts people off taking a long-term view of transformation and change exactly. because it, it feels scary yeah yeah and it's not you know taking a long-term view to your point doesn't mean set it and forget it you mm. know it, it is very much this it's a long-term view but with short-term action you're, you're making changes every week and the other thing we haven't talked about yet is the most important thing, and this is probably, this might be the biggest sales mistake I see, is the, none of this matters, everything we talked about, unless it has been reinforced every single week through coaching. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't. And, and, and that's, that's the, you know, that's really the make or break of any of these kind of programs is that our, man, and it's also the only way to make it scalable, right? Our managers out there reinforcing the, the competencies that, that, and this is another thing, maybe it's a tangent we haven't talked about as well. Like it's very important to, to have those competencies set. So we all talk in the same language. Mm -hmm. um, 
But if, if you know if they're not out there reinforcing individual competencies for individual people on their team, it, it's just not going to none, none of this will happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I could go on. I could go on with this discussion all day. If I'm honest, I've written pages and pages of notes. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and wrap up what has been a really rich conversation. A firstly by saying. I know that you'll voice this as well, that that please, please, please to the audience out there, whatever you do is, is have that, that confidence, that data, that backing, that information to push back and take a long-term view. Stop with the cycle of, I'm just gonna do this because we need it by next quarter or next month or next week. I think mm -hmm. that's that it has to be a bigger, a bigger piece. I love the fact that that you've you've talked about you know, coaching, understanding the performance leaders, going back to that root cause, linking it to what they want are all the things that take the risk out of the equation, identifying and agreeing. And that's a, a really big one that you talked about, agreeing those leading indicators. Yeah. And, and the final one, and I'm glad you said it's, it's you know, the most important in a way, yeah. is that reinforcement. Yeah. You can't just announce something at company kickoff or sales kickoff and say, this is what we're going to be doing and then go back to the, you know, let, let's beat them through for the results, you know, every week or every month and, and yeah. coaching goes by the wayside. I think that's just so, so important. Yeah. Um, are there any final words you'd add to that um, for, for those listening, Andrew? Yeah, it was a great summary, Kate. The, the thing that popped into my mind there is that when we think long-term you know, as the, as the sort of topic of this conversation, when I, I look at the, the people that we want to focus the most on is the sales leader, the sales manager, the person that's often a player coach, right? That's on, mm -hmm. you know, in the field, they're responsible for their own number. They've got three, four, five people that are, they're responsible for as well. And they are measured on, and should hopefully incentives be aligned on the overall performance of that group of people, including themselves, right? That's who, who I want to talk to, and, 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 and I, I think you do too, because that's, they are the linchpin person in this entire stack of cards, right? This, yes, this, yes, yes. And, and what I want to say to them is just, you know, you, you have an incredible responsibility and, and opportunity to transform people who work for you, who, who, who report to you, to transform them into a fully realized version of themselves. Right, like you, you can get that information. You can ask them and figure out what they want to do and what they want to be in their careers. You can help them see how that's possible at the company you're working at, and then you can literally help them take every single step there on a week-to-week -week basis. I mean, that is just to me the most exciting part about a job. You know, that's leadership. That so, is so yeah. powerful. God, yeah, that's. I actually took a a, a gasp there. Yeah. That, that sounds really cheesy, but I did. <laughs> that uh, well, is so powerful, yeah. Andrew. Yeah. That you know, taking someone to the you know the the realized version of themselves, I just think is is the privilege that mm -hmm. we have as sales Great leaders, work. and we should be we should be given the space to do so. And uh, and, and I couldn't agree with you more. And mm -hmm. I suspect that lots of people are going to want to talk to you after this, um, Andrew, because of of those words. How is it best for people to contact you to contact Curious Lion? Um, yeah. Give us that yeah, th yeah, thanks, Kate. It's, so the best LinkedIn, um, if, if my thing, I, I'm sure you'll put the link in the show notes, but it's total yeah. enablement. Um, you'll be able to find me there. And then uh, another great way, I write a weekly newsletter. So if you go to curiouslionlearning.com forward slash newsletter, 
um, I get a weekly email that you'll get a weekly email and you can reply to that. And I'll have, I have conversations with people every single week in my inbox. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's fantastic. Well, that's, that's a gift I would imagine. So all of you uh, out there, please, please do take Andrew up on that. Um, thank you so much, Andrew. Fantastic conversation. This is a wrap up uh, of another episode of my biggest sales enablement mistake podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Kate.